Hey, whoa, whoa. This week on Two Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage, Marcus and I talk the history-making debut of CM Punk and what does it mean for the one true sport of pro wrestling. We talk Sting having Showtime once more on TNT, the report that Bray Wyatt is expected to sign with AEW, how to properly debut Brian Danielson, MJF submits Chris Jericho in his fifth and final labor, John Moxley continues his role on great promos, why there is crying in wrestling, and Ric Flair doesn't ride on trains or Kias. But guess what time it is? Oh, it's clobbering time, because the player coach is back in pro wrestling. This week on two, two, who, two dynamite dudes on a rampage. So is Marcus, but somebody is back, right, Marcus? Somebody. Who is it? Boy, oh boy, Dominic. Uh, that was quite a debut. Hmm, what, are you begin? what are you referring to exactly? Are you referring uh, to something in particular? You, you know, suck. Two, two dynamite dudes on a rampage. But somebody else is on a rampage, and it's none other than CM Punk. CM Punk has returned to professional wrestling. And uh, that happened on Rampage last night. On Dynamite, we're going against SummerSlam right now live. Me and my degenerate brother, Marcus. I am pro wrestling journalist, Dominic D'Angelo of WrestleZone.com. And thank you for joining us. We are, like I said, we are live. So join on in in the conversation. If uh, SummerSlam's not slamming you enough, then we'll slam you right here. Marcus, how are you doing today? Getting out of control, Dominic. I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited to uh, talk about uh, what I believe to be uh, the biggest debut in the history of pro wrestling. History of pro wrestling? I can't think of one bigger. I, you know, yeah, I was going to say, like, like but memorable debuts, like the most memorable debut probably in our wrestling fandom, Jericho, uh, like, on Raw. Yeah, Raw. but, like, you know, it's... Uh, the, Jericho didn't get the sort of reaction that Punk got, not by a long shot. It was fucking crazy, man. Uh, Taz, Taz is probably a second to this one. That's really the only one oh, in, in WWE. Yeah, what's up, Steven? Steven's in the house. Yo, Steven, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, but I, but then, you know, Taz fizzled out right away. Not his fault. WWE just didn't like him. Vince thought he was too short or whatever. And uh, But, I mean, what a debut he had coming out beating the undefeated Kurt Angle. Right. Right, man, yeah, but Marcus, it was crazy. Uh, I did happen to send a tweet to CM Punk right before the show, so maybe he'll come on. I invited him on the show. I I would assume he'll be with us shortly. Yeah, he might be here. You never know. Like, uh, you know, that's uh, you cast the line up there. You know, talk a little hockey. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. Don, I'll tell you what, Ricky is not fucking around over there. He's ready to talk Bray Wyatt. <laughs> He's ready to talk uh, on, Bray Wyatt. On to the next pal. Oh, we'll Enough. get there. We'll get there. But yeah, Marcus, let's uh let's obviously we gotta talk about CM Punk returning to wrestling. Yes, uh, absolutely. Holy smokes, Marcus, how'd you think? I mean, 
we talked about it just right now, but how'd you think it all was executed? Um, let's just start off with like just them kicking it off right then and there with the with them walking down to the ring and that whole. Then we'll get to the details of the promo afterwards. But talk it was kind of yeah, you know, having him come down to the ring like that was it was kind of the only way to do it uh, because everybody knew he was there, everybody knew he was coming out, and uh, it's like let's just do it, let's just jump right into it. So they they brought him out, nailed it, and uh, dude, I, I'm telling you, I don't get chills often while I'm watching anything on TV. I got chills, I got legit chills watching that. You know, you could see the emotion on his face. You could see the emotion, obviously, on the fans' faces. I think one of them got turned to a meme recently. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that. We'll talk about that too. I have that on the list. Yes, uh, but man, it, I mean, it was it was something else. I've never seen anything like it in all my time watching wrestling. Um, I don't remember honestly. Anybody in the comments? Can you think of a, a bigger debut? I can't come up with one. I really can't either. Honestly, <laughs> I think I think Bret Hart could have been that big, but but it was botched. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott Hall's, I think, has that lasting impact where you look back and like, wow, that was a big one. But it was also and I think maybe for the time it like might have mean something. But again, like we we weren't tuned in at that point and uh, we became tuned in later on. So that says something for like a debut. But that wasn't even technically a debut, I guess, because he was having stud before in WCW. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you're right. Scott Hall's, you know, as far as like historical Scott Halls might be the most historical, but I mean, at least to this point, who knows? Maybe CM Punk's will go down as, as even more historical. I know. I, well, I mean, definitely, it's got to be like at least the very least top three, <laughs> I would think, right? You know? Benjamin's like, come on, what are you guys doing? We're trying to watch. <laughs> really on right now. Yeah, we're rivaling SummerSlam. You know, trying to watch SummerSlam over here, you man. Know, we're we're going against competition here. <laughs> That's right. We're competition. That's what this is, the the Saturday Night Wars. Here I am in my fucking office. Marcus is in his uh, man cave there, and we're going up against the fifty thousand something on Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. They don't stand a chance. Not a chance, man. Look, I, we're just boiling over the people. Yeah, I mean, we probably should wait till tomorrow. I was thinking <laughs> that maybe. I was thinking that, but you know what? You get we pull the trigger right here and right now. I, I tweeted it out. I was like, you know, we I I tweeted out out there in the ether. We got to stick with it, you know. Yep. Um, yeah, Benjamin CM Punk though, dude, it's it's something else. We were just talking about it. Uh, it's yeah. an incredible debut. Uh, honestly, anybody in the comments, come up with a bigger one. I, I'm I'm honest, I'm genuinely asking. I'm not challenging anybody. I really want to know. Nesha, what's up? Thanks Nesha's for joining us. <laughs> Nesha's in. She's like, what the fuck? I'm over here <laughs> trying to watch SummerSlam. Giving me hell last night about it. Uh, <laughs> I uh, but Marcus, I think him walking out like that, um, and just showing that raw emotion. And like him getting like choked up and teared up about it too, but them him just loving life, it, like diving into the crowd and like uh, hugging people, like just going by and hugging people and stuff like that. It's uh, it was really really cool to see. And like, I'll tell you what, the part that really stuck out for me during all of it was uh, a line that he had where he said, uh, "I was never gonna get better staying in the place that made me sick in the first place." And yeah. Just like, Damn. Yeah. How about uh, that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, still unbelievable on the mic. Uh, I'm expecting a lot of great moments. And Dominic, is this it? Are the tides turning in professional wrestling? Is AEW the unstoppable force in professional wrestling? It's the hot ticket, that's for sure. You know, I mean, you have, you just look at what WWE has done over the course of the past 20 years since it unseated WCW, and you look at, um, 
what developed like i mean the, the global from a global perspective from like the hierarchy and the wall street and all these shareholders and and like just tv deals and them establishing themselves as the wrestling brand which we'll talk about that in a second too wrestling uh but you look at that and it's i don't think you can look at it from that perspective you know who, who knows like it at some point this is i mean like there's plenty of signs that shows you know obviously with the infrastructure of what wde presents as a television product is not engaging to fans it's dry you know SummerSlam's going on right now and like that crowd is raucous from what what i was reading in the tweets and stuff like that so obviously like people love wde and stuff like that there is that huge fan base but hey this what we saw on friday night is how hot you can see wrestling again see that crowd reaction him being back certified bona fide star you want to see jungle boy get to that level you want to see darby allen get to that level you want to see orange cassie get to that level you want to see kenny omega get to that level like and the list goes on but and that's the same thing with stars and wde that's what you would want to see from them but uh, when has when have we, when have we heard a road warrior pop like that <laughs> never i don't expect to hear one again uh, at least not for many years you know, it was it was an unbelievable debut. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today, Dominic. You know, AEW is probably a lot like what WCW would look like today, if you really think about it. You know, it's <clears throat> they're picking up uh, talent that's either been released by WWE or, is, or has been dissatisfied by WWE. That was WCW. You know, so it's uh, backed by backed by a, a billionaire who is who's coming in from a, another realm. Um, so it's, I don't know, man, it's the logo. I mean, it's clearly the AEW logo is clearly a spinoff of the old WCW logo. So it's just, uh, it, it's honestly, it's, it's kind of like in 2019, we got WCW back and slowly, but surely they're starting to pick up momentum and they're starting to get some of these big names and guess, you know, like a lot of people are calling it like WWE light or whatever it is. Um, but here's, here's the thing is that, uh, and you and I've discussed this ad nauseum. But, like, when you bring in a big talent like CM Punk, you bring in a big talent like uh, Brian Danielson, they help to level up the other talent as well. It happened with Hall and Nash when they came to WCW. Diamond Dallas Page was kind of squandering in the mid in the mid card. The next thing you know, these guys come in, they see something in him, they up his value by, uh, by putting him over and making him look strong. Next thing you know, DDP is one of the hottest tickets in professional wrestling. Yeah, right. Packaged him the right way. DDP just kind of embraced like who he was as like a people's champion and the fighting guy that goes against WCW. You incorporate that with the loner sting and then you mix in Goldberg later on and um, you have like the forces, some viable forces going against the NWO. Um, You know, now with this and I thought it was a like, it was such a well-delivered promo by punk and like, yeah, it really, cause I'm thinking like, he's so emotional. Is he going to be able to execute a promo clip? Like <laughs> with that emotion flowing through him at this point, he, dude, he just fucking nailed it. Like there was, um, and what he said too, about like August 13th, 2005 ROH was, I left professional wrestling and like never saying WWE those letters, but referring WWE, And he's like, August 20th, 2021, I'm back. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's something else where he's just like basically he never never spent time in professional wrestling since he was in ROH, which is a, a pretty pointed remark by him. Dominic, I'm seeing something here by Steven uh, from a little bit earlier. Sure. I think that we I think that we should address it. He said probably won't get a big reaction like that whenever Daniel Bryan shows up, and I think that he he raises a point that I want to ask you about. What's it going to take following a, a giant debut by by CM Punk to make Brian Danielson's debut look big as bigger bigger? I think the key is time. You have time now to get CM Punk over at all out. I mean, not get him over. Obviously, he's over. <laughs> but I mean, you have time to cultivate the story of CM Punk's return to wrestling through all out. Then heck. Like we've been talking and like everybody's expecting, you make him debut at Arthur Ashe. I think you build that groundswell up for somebody like Daniel Bryan, where you like, okay, you rode and that that wave will still ride with CM Punk, but you're riding another wave too now with Daniel Bryan coming in, and that the groundswell will be up there for in New York City for that. So I think the key for Daniel Bryan Danielson now is just time. Like let it let it play out. You have you've create it you've got you have the big ticket in punk right now you'll have another big ticket in brian coming up but build that anticipation just like you did with punk and um he'll deliver i think uh i think they can do it and i think it's just another one-two punch that they can deliver you know absolutely and uh by the way what's up rumar what's up everybody thank you guys for joining us as always benjamin aaron uh steven all you guys uh thank you so much for being here feel free feel free to keep dropping comments yeah, feel free um, to chime in. We'll get to we'll get to stuff. Marcus is a fucking notorious about diverting. I do, I do. Uh, but Dominic, back on Daniel Bryan. See, I can I can bring it back. <laughs> but Dominic, back on uh, Daniel Bryan. I uh, I think that kind of the best way to do it too is keep MJF hot, keep MJF going over people, keep him being controversial, keep him being a complete asshole and fucking with people, and just like continue to build that heat for him. Um, and then at Arthur Ashe, just when he's like kind of reaching a fever pitch where it's just like this, this guy's an asshole, but he's unstoppable. Then you debut Daniel Bryan and you have that flight of the bumblebees come on, which by the way, is not licensed by WWE. They can't license it. You mean rise of the Valkyrie? Uh, the, uh, whatever it is. I thought it was flight of the bumblebee. I don't know what it's called. Well, whatever it is. That's right. Well, just like CM Punk's theme, you know, it's, it's not a, a WWE original, so, uh, they can they can use it so i mean i think that that music can hit uh, especially when mjf is like dressing down the crowd or acting like a, a stuck-up psycho um and i think that that would be pretty much the only way to come anywhere you're not going to come near that cm punk uh pop but uh, i think that you could approach close you're not but listen man and the thing is is arthur ass stadium too that's outside so like the sound won't keep in there either um what i wanted to say too was in regards with punk uh i'm thinking you know darby and him are the starting like it's like a respectful kind of feud that kind of just you know gets punk in the mix you know against a a star that you want to get over and stuff like that further get over and then i think hey we talked about it and we'll get to this here in a second too we'll end it a little bit is uh mjf doesn't have a match at all out right now so what's that setting up for perhaps he attacks punk you know, after, you know, him and Darby have a match or something to that effect. And then, I mean, that's just imagining the, I mean, you got to think Tony Khan is chomping at the fucking bit wanting to get 
CM Punk on a mic against MJF on a mic. You know? Like as as somebody who's done a lot of writing in my life, picturing those kind of chess pieces entering my board, I'd be like sitting down at my desk, like, oh boy, oh, <laughs> oh boy, it's gonna be fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's got so many directions to move in. Honestly, I I strongly believe that MJF uh, versus versus Brian Danielson is a good way to start. Um, I think that you should be, let's jump into it. Let's get CM Punk and, and Kenny Omega, in my opinion. Well, okay, that was my point I was going to make. And you talked about that, too, to get a big reaction. Like, you're you're wanting to build that groundswell up for Daniel Bryan the same way you want for Punk. Another way to do that is put him right in the title picture, like right off the bat with Kenny. Kenny's just, instead, like, just uh, substitute what you were saying for MJF and keep it with Kenny. You know? Sure. And then you have you have the title in the picture. You automatically you put Diana Bryan even at a higher level, <laughs> like even though he's already a big big star. So um, I think that would be a way to handle it and kind of uh, and because like honestly, you can have Punk just go up against MJF, and that's still just a hot ticket as ever too. So I mean, um, yeah, no, I mean, Nesha feels that you and I look a lot alike right now, and I am I've never been more offended. Oh, well, Marcus, I think you should take that as a compliment. Uh, I am running for, uh, when I go to All Out, I think there's a... A Mr. All Out contest. A Mr. All Out uh, pageant going on. Um, I have a speech lined up. Uh, it's going to happen. You'll probably start writing that now, Dom. The Wingman's All Out party. That's what it's going to happen. Hot Boy Summer. I'm going to be there, guys. So, waxed uh, and vaxed, baby. Waxed and anyway. vaxed. Ready to roll. <laughs> Anyways, where were we? I diverted again. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's a good diversion right there. Is Mr. All Out pageant. Yikes. Uh, let's see. So, but Marcus, uh, yeah, I think, what do you, do you think, okay, do you think that the ratings for Rampage on Friday are going to be dynamite? Um, uh, wait, you're asking if the ratings from yesterday are going to beat the ratings from Wednesday? Yes. Haven't they come out yet? Not yet. Uh, the ratings for Dynamite came out, and they were just a little bit lower than they were last week. Um, um, unquestionably, yes. Everybody knew that CM Punk was coming out on, on Rampage. So, yeah, without a, without a shadow of a doubt, Rampage will be higher. Okay. I I would be interested now. Like he's Punk's going to show up on Wednesday too. They announced him on Wednesday for Milwaukee. You can expect these ratings to continue to rise. <laughs> I, I really believe that because um, people are going to be wondering, okay, what's CM Punk going to do next? When's Daniel Bryan going to show up? Who's who else is coming out? And that's the that is the formula. And I told you this. I think back when we first started this podcast, that's the formula for success. Is like you need to always have the crowd thinking, what is going to happen next? Like, okay, CM Punk just came out this week. Who is somebody going to come out next week? Oh, WWE released Bray Wyatt. When's he going to show up? How about Daniel Bryan? The rumor is he's coming in. So it's like week after week, you're just building this entry. And I think you have to keep that ball rolling while also taking a look at the roster that you've got there and say, who am I not using? Who can I get rid of? Um, because it, it will become unsustainable if you've got too many people on the roster, as, again, we've been discussing. Yeah. Um, I think uh, – so let's talk about this then. The report today – I don't know if you've even seen this, Marcus. Yeah, is uh, Ray Wyatt is expected to sign with AEW. I have not um, heard it. So uh, Melter, Melter reported today on the Wrestling Observer Radio. He said now nothing is like concrete. There's likely no pen to paper, obviously, because it's non-compete clauses up. But it seems to be rolling in that direction that Bray Wyatt will be all elite uh, forthcoming once that non-compete does run out. Uh, 
Mark, we've talked about it before. Now that it's becoming like this is more of a clear, a little bit more of a clear indicator here. Um, how would you incorporate Bray Wyatt into the AEW picture? You know, I know, I know that you and I had discussed uh, possibly bringing him in as uh, as just uh, uh, what's his name, Wyndham uh, Rotunda. Rotunda. I know that that was a possibility, and, and I think that it, it could work. You could bring him as Wyndham as Wyndham Rotunda. However, uh, I do think that there is uh, so there's there's this thing in pro wrestling where it's almost like campy B movies, right? Where it's like we we appreciate a lot of the campy B movie stuff that comes with pro wrestling, which is why we appreciate characters like the Undertaker. And there's there's kind of a crossover whenever it comes to wrestling fans between that genre and the horror genre. Um, there always has been, and I think that there always will be. And the Undertaker kind of helped to pioneer it, but it's it's been a thing. And so I I strongly believe I'm not saying bring him in as the fiend, but I am saying that like might not hurt to bring him in as like a split personality nut job where like sometimes he's Wyndham Rotunda and sometimes he's this other thing. Yeah, so maybe like not a supernatural villain like say uh like the Undertaker with summoning lightning and shit. But more like a Victor Zaz of Batman or something. Sure, sure. But like basically it's like two different sides of this one human where it's like, which guy's going to come out this week? Which guy am I going to see backstage during this segment? Yeah, like you don't want to go into – I think – and I think Tony Khan's kind of indicated that he doesn't want to go into the route of like, you know, uh, broken Matt Hardy stuff where it's like – teleportation and stuff like that again or anything to that effect i I think he learned his lesson yeah i think uh that and that's just a tough thing to get over when you don't have a live crowd either i mean geez oh man so that's a tough thing uh but let's see i think i think there you can find something to that effect i i think it it just makes sense i think from a really good uh pat Lepronde, geez, I, I know Pat Legrand. I can't remember his name, but he wrote the Andre the Giant book. Uh, Dave Meltzer had him on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio to talk Dominic Danucci, RIP, by the way, Pittsburgh's very own. Oh, man. Uh, uh, what a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he trained, if, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Dominic Danucci, he trained Mick Foley. He trained uh, Shane Douglas. Um, he trained a lot of people, as a matter yeah. of fact, and you know, not to mention he had a great career of his own. He was tag team partners with Bruno San Martino. He was in the uh, Pittsburgh Studio Wrestling back in the day. Under, so, uh, the top star in Australia too. Yep. For a long extended time. Yep. So Dominic Danucci, an unbelievable talent. Dominic and I both had the pleasure of meeting him uh, about a year ago, actually, uh, maybe over a year ago now. It's been a while. Yeah, probably closer to two years by now. But I uh, had the pleasure of meeting him. Such a kind man. Uh, huge loss for wrestling business. Exactly. Yeah, very big loss. But he was on there, uh, Pat LaPrond, and he talked about um, what. Uh, how would you bring Pat uh, – how would you bring Bray Wyatt in as, like, he pitched the – you know, what everybody kind of talks about is maybe the new leader of the Dark Order. And I think you could do something like that if you, if you, you shift the whole – uh, perspective of Dark Order. Well, Dominic, I, I gotta say, Steven's really tickling my fancy a little bit here tonight because he's saying, uh, uh, bring in Bo Dallas, Rotunda Brothers. Dominic, what about like Minnesota Wrecking Crew? Forget all this supernatural shit. Bring him in as like the Rotunda Boys. Um, you know what? You and go old school with it. There's a play um, that, that we were always, or I was very interested in doing by Martin McDonough called Lonesome West, where two brothers, like dysfunctional 
kind of like us. Um, they were like super violent and super wild and just like nuts. They're just nuts. And um, they lived in Ireland and stuff. But uh, if you created those guys from that perspective where you almost blend a, a, the Wyndham Rotunda as like this, like, you know, nut job kind of, you know, and you have his brother too in the mix, you can create a cu- couple of wild things coming in and run a rough shot on, on, in the tag division. I mean, I've been I've been watching a lot of old school NWA recently, uh, specifically the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Arn, and uh, watching those guys and how vicious they were and how great they were as heels. Um, like, I'd, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that come about again. Yeah, no, I would love that. <laughs> I think that'd be very awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty darn cool. Heck, and uh, you could bring in. Uh, I know we're signing a lot of people here, but Joe Henning too, maybe to get in that mix. Love Joe Hennig. Uh, Dominic, so let's talk about something that's not easy to talk about when it comes to pro wrestling because you want to see everybody make money. You want to see everybody prosper and do well in this business. Um, but there's so many people on the roster, Dom. Um, yes. Who in your mind, and I, I hate to use a, a word like expendable here, but who in your mind is is expendable on this roster because there's only so much TV time. And, and you're not doing these P I mean, obviously if they're signing guaranteed contracts, you're kind of doing them favors, but like long-term when their contract runs out, if they haven't had TV exposure, um, that's not great for their career. Yeah. I mean, they, you have the ability of, um, if you're that wrestler, that's maybe not featured as much, at least like you can run and AW lets you do it. AW lets you go on the independent scene and like you get a shot. Like for example, they come to Pittsburgh, a lot of the ICW wrestlers, I'm sorry, IWC wrestlers uh, wrestled on the dark card and stuff like that. Um, they get a little shot, and guess what you can put on there? AEW, you know, appeared on AEW on the on your poster and stuff like that. It kind of raises your bar a little bit. The AEW superstar or whatever. Well, you're not – like, I don't know how far you can go with that necessarily, but, um, but you can at least have an AEW logo by your fucking picture on there and stuff like that. Um, I think we kind of talked about it. I think what we would do, I would do is like, just kind of not necessarily have them on retainer, like certain stars on retainer, but like rotate them through. Um, and like, you know, you have that, uh, culpability of, um, the connections with impact you're ro- getting rotation of connection, uh, with NWA and Empower and stuff like that. And what Mickey James is doing there. Um, and then New Japan, you have your you're forming a bond with them. Uh, Thunder Roses Mission Pro Wrestling too, the All Women's Mission Pro Wrestling. Um, different outlets that you can do, and like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that. I just think you can rotate talent through, but well, you gotta kind of funnel it into where you have a select amount of stars that you want to promote over the course of your main mainstream three-hour programs that you have over the over and, the and Dom, I, th- I think you're making a good point here, you know, because uh, there is a working relationship with promotions like Impact and promotions like NWA. Um, so why not work together with them um, and say, like, hey, look, you know, we are not using, um, uh, let's just say Chris Statlander, even though they've been using her a lot and she's doing great. Uh, we aren't using Chris Statlander as much as we thought. Um, do you guys want to take her and put her on uh, on your TV for a little bit? And Dom, I saw you just highlighted Jorge there. Um, yeah. uh, what if Dominic, uh, Impact, NWA, and AEW said, hey, we're going to have a draft? I think that would be pretty cool. Obviously, the, the thing is, like, you all have a working relationship. And you all have – it is very much like the territories because 
each promotion wants to, you know, have their stars highlighted and, you know, make sure that they're the top stars. So, I mean, you could kind of work something like that out. That would be pretty damn interesting. Um, I think that would have to be something a little bit further down the line if you're going to do anything to that aspect. Because not only this, but I think AEW wants to get itself over as a brand and probably, like, as on a TNT product, you want to get yourself over as the brand for wrestling. So, like, um, I think you know, want to establish that. Out. And MLW has been pretty ad- adamant about this, too, is, like, keeping their th- stuff just to, like, on the, the focus on them. So I think you kind of want to do that. But I think eventually, if you cultivate this uh, more of an audience and get more people into it, I think you can definitely do something like that. It, where it's all-encompassing and you do f- focus, you can do, you can do a spin on it, you know, where it's like, or maybe you get a pool of these wrestlers, not all of them, but a pool of these wrestlers like, hey, we got a draft coming up and boom, uh, we're, let's do selections. You could really make a cool event out of that, I think. And, Absolutely. And if you're here to it, like WWE's been awful at adhering to their draft, but I mean, heck, if you do it right, I don't see a problem with it. Honestly. And you make a, you make a good point. What if you take like kind of the lower half of your card, you know, the guys as we've been talking about who haven't been utilized well? Yeah. You do the same thing with NWA and Impact. Put them all in a draft and say, like, all right, you know, we're all keeping all of our top guys, but let's let's draft these guys. Here's the thing, too. You have like stuff like uh, potentially AW does the win loss record. What if you started really keeping count on across the promotions across the board of what their wins loss records are across the board? You get past a certain level. Uh oh, this guy's going to be eligible for the draft coming up because a maybe he hasn't wrestled enough, he or she hasn't wrestled enough, or b maybe they're not winning enough matches. And it's going to be a, you make that, I mean, it's sports-like feel. You, you make that happen and you can really, you could probably tell, so you could tell some interesting stories of that where it's like, you know, you don't want it to be a heavy focus on your show throughout the whole program, but it could be stuff to talk about, you know? I don't see why, like, you know, I'm not saying WWE had the right formula, but I don't think there was anything wrong with the way that they did the draft. You do like a few picks and you do like a match or two backstage segment, more picks, you know, I don't know. I, I think it could work. Yeah, I think it's something to definitely think about. Um, let's see. We were anything else on Bray Wyatt though? Um, I just think, uh, you know, it's just like to what we said. I mean, it's a lot of people, but obviously, he's a name that has cachet, and he's he's one you can't let slip through your fingers. He's not but. one, to, and it, it wouldn't make sense to not sign him, right? If you have the <laughs> option to sign him. You have to. Uh, so yeah. it's 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 yeah. like I said before. It's I mean you know the, the way that WWE marketed him uh, for the amount of time that they marketed him, there is an unbelievable amount of equity in him. And I'm talking like they probably put about as much marketing power behind him as they did behind somebody like let's say Roddy Piper, the Ultimate Warrior, where it's like you're seeing his face all over the place. Uh, he's on T-shirts. Um, he, there's toys, you know, uh, commercials, belts. Uh, he's he's all over the place. And so uh, they, they, they spent all that time and they spent all those millions of dollars to market this guy. And they're like, hey, by the way, we don't need you. And they let him go. Uh, you have to swoop in on somebody like that. Have to. Yeah. Uh, because his face and his name and his likeness have been out there for long enough that uh, it's gonna, he's going to draw a crowd wherever he goes. Yeah. Uh, Steven also says Impact Wrestling also has a good women's division. Why not work with them? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, she's been throwing hints out there too. She acquired another belt too, uh, the AAA uh, women's title. I don't know, I remember the name of it, but she acquired that too over at Triple Mania. Um, 
and like her and Kenny got a picture together and everything like that. So I gotta say, I I wouldn't hate it if Cody was like a tweener on NWA and AEW, where like let's say he takes on Nick Aldis again, maybe grabs the ten pounds of gold. Yeah. Um, and it starts bringing that on TV and saying like, hey, I'm not able to compete for the AEW championship, but that's all right because this is the real one. Right. Right. No, it's uh, there's a lot of talent. Uh, it's uh. It's a situation that they can work out, and hopefully they figure something out because, um, yeah, you do want to focus on your stars, and it's like so many, you know, you will get – they get lost in the shuffle, and you don't want that to happen overall. You want stuff to kind of be like, okay, you know, we got to focus on these guys. We can always come back. You know, you can, you know we can always circle back around and get you back in the loop and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, but very interesting times. Um, Marcus, let's talk about – uh, how Dynamite kicked off with Sting and Darby Allen. First time in 20 years Sting has wrestled on TNT, Marcus. Did you know that? I did. I did. Okay. And uh, let me tell you, Dom, he looked like a million bucks. Um, yeah. it's like I was expecting him to like come out in the T-shirt and stuff, and it's just like, okay, he's old. You know, it's like no big deal. But he came out, he's in great condition. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrestled well. Took a hell of a bump there near the end, where they were they were putting him up. And I'm like, okay, he's got to get out of this. Yeah, they can't right. Like he's got to fight out of this or something. Nope, put him right through the table. But he gets up, no cells, it pounds his chest. Um, dude, it was it was something to see. That finish was so cool too because uh, like he pounds his chest, they back up in fear, and Darby double drop kicks them into Sting, and uh, he gives them this double scorpion, stereo scorpion death drops, and then locks him in. Like that was perfect, all perfectly executed. Like AEW is just leveling up, dude, all over the map. And like it, you wouldn't expect Sting to look as good as he did, but he does. He looks awesome. Uh, I want to see him in a singles match. I want to see him compete against Kenny Omega. I, like I, I want to see what he's got, you know, because he he looks good. And obviously, you're probably gonna have to gimmick any match he's in. It's probably gonna have to be a street fight or something, a cage match, something like that, just because it's, you know, he can't quite move the way that he used to. But, like, I think if you get him in the ring with the right people, I think he's still got good enough timing that he's going to do fine. Because, heck, I mean, you even look at the tag match that they just did. Like, they did, like, street fight-esque, obviously, stuff. Like, it was a street fight, wasn't it? So Yeah, and it was good. It was good. And they it was a, was it, What do they call it? A Texas tornado Texas match? Texas tornado tag. And he yeah. So, made perfect sense. And, uh, yeah, it was... Such a dude, I felt so elated watching that as like and covering it. I was like, this is so fucking cool. It's Sting and he's he's kicking ass. And it's, oh, it was awesome. It was great, man. It was great. And you incorporate uh, such fresh young talent like Darby and uh, Eddie Kingston and, and Mox, and then you have 2.0 in there. It's just like it was very, very well done and uh, really got really kicked off the show in a hot, hot manner. Um, yeah, it'll be cool to see. And that's a neat thing, too, that we didn't even really talk about that much. Is like Darby Allen going against Punk at All Out with Sting in his corner. Sting and Punk have never really crossed paths. So. No, and now here they are together. Uh, man, it's just it's such a fun time to be a wrestling fan. And, like, honestly, I, I was thinking about this today. What can WWE do at this point to, uh, to fire back? How can they? Because I mean, like, I love Goldberg. You love Goldberg. Oh yeah. But, like bringing back Goldberg isn't going to compete with CM Punk or Daniel Bryan. Um, he's, he's it's just not going to. So like, what can they do WWE at this point? Who can they grab that's gonna that's gonna turn the tide for them? I mean, obviously, you bring in The Rock or somebody like that. 
but even that market it's unsustainable he's he, like yes it's good but is the rock going to be there in four months no nope. even even that like it's more of a it's more of an overall framework of how wge is it's 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 not something short term that you can do like to write the ship obviously they have such a huge lead on AEW with you know uh you know an audience and viewership and you know just the brand the brand is just you associate wde with wrestling even though it's not <laughs> as cm punk said but um you that's what people associate wrestling with today and uh it's so but from a if you want to write you have to you have to make the adjustments and i mean it's not going to change unless uh the top guy relents on creative and that's vince like uh dominic nesha feels that becky's going to be showing up tonight is that going to be enough to turn the tide i'm going to say no no i'm not i mean it's it would be it would charge it up people are gonna that's going to be the buzz like they're going to do what they can to kind of push back at what they what they did last what AEW did on friday with punk you know is you know and that's hard to go against because even that the rumors of bray wyatt coming to be today like that's another buzz hey Look at who's going. And like um <laughs> friend of the show, Mark Madden, also said that he heard uh that Fox was not happy that uh AEW got punk and WE did not. So I mean Yikes. it's just like you look at that, like people are taking note and you know it's <laughs> you the ratings uh, that's one thing, but you look at raw and you look at what aw is doing on dynamite the numbers aren't that far off obviously smackdowns has a bigger platform because it's on fox but it's geez it's just like there's so much going on um let's see rumar says here that WWE, depending on past wrestlers to help their ratings and not believing in their young talent shows that they don't trust them can't find no way to push them hard exactly like it's like and that's been the ongoing situation for years on end because vince relies on you know, established acts such as Goldberg and, um, you know, you name it, The Rock, um, Cena, you know. So they'll bring out Stone Cold to have like a beer bash or something every once in a while to like pop a rating. Right, exactly, exactly. It's, um, yeah, so it's like, it's something that needs to be done over time. And I mean, it's not, nothing's going to change unless Vince steps down. That's the bottom line. That's it. Like, that's how WWE can fire back. They're they're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit though because AEW has been establishing this new talent and then this new talent is getting over. So it's like, could you sign Adam Cole to this million dollar year contract and then just like debut him on TV and would that be enough? I don't think no, it would. It's not. It's because it's all about how you position and book these stars. Like you know, uh, nobody under this landscape under what WWE presents, you know, unless you like, unless it's The Rock and even The Rock. Like, no, unless it's The Rock, uh, you're not going to, they're not going to get to that level because there's a ceiling there in WWE. It's a ceiling. And that ceiling is Vince McMahon. It's it. Um, uh, Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Aaron is saying, let Big E cash in. I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it is because it's something that shakes up, you know, your product, you know, and WWE rarely does that. They, They rarely do something that, you know, wow. I mean, because, Marcus, you haven't been watching the product, neither really have I, but what do we hear is, like, repeat matches week in, week out. Like, Raw has the same matches every week. Like, there's been months on end where it's like, 
Um, I Sheamus has been fighting like uh, I know this isn't that long, but Damian Priest. But there's been other ones where it's just like okay, we're we're seeing this again. The Usos fighting Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> it's like you get those all the time. It's it's a lazy booking. It's uh, arrogant, some may say, and things like that, where you're just like feeling. You know, hey, I can get away with this stuff because we are the product. And Vince, even on that conference call, like dismissed WWE, I mean, AEW, not as competition. And then was like, hey, maybe we'll give them more of their stars. And look what happens. Look what happens. <laughs> Punk was already in the fucking plans at that juncture. And uh, Daniel Bryan already signed a deal at that juncture. Now there's talks of Bray Wyatt. What's Adam Cole going to do after this weekend? Is he going to stick around? Is he done? You know, uh, it's just a lot to fucking think about. Uh, and like if you're adam cole dominic like it, grass is looking pretty good on the other side is it not you yeah. know like it, you've got all these debuts you've got huge pops for cm punk you've got bray wyatt possibly coming in and best of all his fiance is there i think that, that she's his fiance at this point right they're not just boyfriend and girlfriend so, yeah right so like his fiance is there so he get to work with her be with her more often probably work less days um i'm telling you the grass would be looking pretty good if i'm adam cole Somebody brought up something really great. Was like Daniel Garcia, like obviously he main evented on Rampage on Friday. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, there's that other talent that was on AEW uh, months and months and months ago. Ben Carter. Do you remember him at all, Marcus? Nope. Okay. Oh wait. Yes, I do. Tore it up. Was really amazing. Had an amazing match. I think with Ricky Starks. He had an amazing match with. Um, he signed with WWE. But when's the last we heard of Ben Carter? Yeah, I mean it's been been a while. Um, and like he's on the NXT UK brand, you just don't see anything. You don't see anything from like, and you know you see so many of these talents. Like you look at Jake Atlas. Um, you look at uh, even I mean this is more on a bigger scale, I guess. But even like Keith Lee to an extent. Like these names get signed, and you're like, wow, this guy's a talent. You're gonna see a lot coming from them, and then you don't see them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you don't see them. Um, uh, Nesha's daughter asked her about Nick Gage earlier, and she's only nine. Uh, make sure she hasn't Googled it that name, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Dom. It's uh, I'm you know I, I like WWE because of you know all the great entertainment that we've we've gotten from them over the years, but they're unwatchable at this point. They really are, and uh, and yeah, it's I, I think that AEW is is truly unstoppable at this point. I think that this is. This is a foregone conclusion. You know, it's WWE's got a real hole to dig themselves out of. The only thing that's saving them right now is their brand. That's it. It's not the product that they're putting out. And that's eroding because, I mean, that's what they've been leaning on for how long? Like, you're associating – you don't associate – Star. I mean, you associate John Cena. You associate The Rock. You associate Stone Cold Steve Austin, WWE. But, you know, other than that, like, and now Roman Reigns, but, like, look at how long that's taken for Roman Reigns to, you know, be an established star. And he's not even at a level of like a, a Cena quite yet or anything like that. I just can't get over the fact like Bray Wyatt was so over. He was very over. I mean, they were starting to screw him up there, but like, you know, two well, years ago. Him. Yeah. They screwed him up. I think. Let's even say like two years ago at this time or whatever it was like, he was one of the hottest acts in professional wrestling and now he's just gone. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's uh like, it's just, Yeah. It, it defines so many wrestlers down and like a stale product like WWE. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't do it, man. And, um, but somebody that's been unstoppable has been MJF Marcus. Uh, 
he tapped out Jericho on the fifth and final labor um, and clean. Uh, what did you think of that main event? And it's the way it's supposed to be. Okay. The way it's supposed to be, Dom. You know, uh, it, it, the older guy putting over a younger guy who's rising. Um, baby face or heel doesn't matter. When you're the old old veteran, that's your job. That's what Jericho is there to do at this point. You know, Jericho, it, it's as you and I have discussed, I like him and I love the, the, his history. I love, you know, the fact that he's got connections to WCW, WWE, ECW. You know, he's been all over the world wrestling. Um, so it's Jericho has a lot of value, but he's lost a few steps. And so that's supposed to turn into a storyline. Said, so like, hey, man, you used to be great, but you've lost a couple steps. And this young, this young lion, MJF, it, he's, he's going to beat you clean. Yeah. And then you have Marcus, we, and we talked about this before, like good, like Chris always redefines himself and, you know, repackages himself. You know, a great way to do it would be like the aged Lionheart, you know? Sure. The, you know, something to that effect where he comes back and, you know, he wants to have this final run where he's going on a tear. And it's almost to the uh, story that WWE told with Ric Flair when he was retiring and he got went on the Intercontinental title run. And it, like, if you lost, he had to retire. Now, you don't have to necessarily do that for, to a T for Jericho, but something to that effect, you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate the idea. You know, you and I discussed week after week how AEW should get a cruiserweight title. I wouldn't hate if Chris Jericho won the inaugural tournament. Right. When he returns. He, he wins the inaugural title. In AEW, and then he wins the inaugural uh, cruiserweight title. I think sure. yeah, that would be a great story to tell. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I don't see a world title reign in his future anytime soon, but like, I I think that he could give some some credibility to something like a new title, like like the cruiserweight title. Have him win the tournament, like against all these young guys against all odds. Chris Jericho comes out and he wins a cruiserweight title, puts a nice little bow on his career, and then if he's going to retire, put over a young guy on the way out. He gets the strap, retires Chris Jericho, and Chris takes his rightful place as an announcer. And pretty neat. It would be like you know, Jericho. I think said too. Uh, throughout this week or maybe the last week like he's like you might not know when i retire it just might come unexpected like i might just you know and heck you know it's something to think about too um let's see so no uh and then hey uh the singing of judas uh pretty cool moment or what did you think about all that i thought it was pretty cool i mean we all knew it was coming mm-hmm. um i think it would have been cooler if it was more organic but i don't think there's an organic way to start that kind of groundswell yeah, um, I think, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was. Mo- I think that was more so uh, social media criticism. Like, hey, it's a little manufactured or whatever. But come on, I mean, you set it up for that. You, there's not. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. It's a. It's a matter of promotion. Wrestling is a promotion, a promoting business. So why not promote something that you can maybe try to get going? More than anything, you know, it's like WCW or WWE does their like then now forever thing, and they've got like all those highlights they're playing during it. That's that's one of those moments that's going to be playing, you know, oh, during yeah. during AEW highlights. It'll be that, and then like uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa with the blood and yeah. uh, the CM Punk coming out. Of course, that's going to be that's yeah. going to be a big moment. So it's like uh, the Blood Brothers match. You know, so it's 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 gonna be uh, it, it's more more than anything, it's it's a highlight, like a feather in the cap of AEW. Yeah, exactly, and that, that's the thing is AEW is creating moments that you're gonna remember, like you know, where it's just like, okay, remember when that happened, or this, you know, and there's excuse me, there's a lot of cool stuff that that they were able to do that uh, not only is a modern day for modern fans to appreciate, but it's a, a lot of this stuff tips the cap to like classic wrestling stuff too, where it's just like, okay. 
a big debut happens wow like this one-of-a-kind moment where people are like singing the song and stuff like that that's unique not a thing you see often dominic aaron was in the same place as you last week here in pittsburgh oh really Let's yeah, see. he was he was at Dynamite in Pittsburgh last week. Oh, okay. talking, talking about how WWE's kind of taken him out of wrestling, but AEW's uh, brought him back in, and it's it's a different energy, it's a different vibe when you're in that arena with yeah. AEW. Uh, yeah, he went to Dynamite Pittsburgh last week. I liked WrestleMania and the other W events, but I really enjoyed Dynamite more. The energy was so different; it was more fun in AEW. Yeah, man, like that's it was like I haven't been a part of a crowd like that. Um, Gosh, I could. I would have to say that's like the first, uh, maybe since All In, actually, like in 2018. Um, that crowd was raucous, and they booed the heels and cheered the baby faces for the most part. And like you know, uh, I wrote a column on WrestleZone about Pittsburgh and how like you know there's been like this kind of over thing like uh where people kind of have this impression of pittsburgh it's like okay they sit on their hands or not you know they but pittsburgh historically is i mean obviously with bruno san martino ties studio wrestling everything like that it's a wrestling city so uh and i think being at dynamite and uh getting that moment of like christian beating kenny Britt baker getting those pops uh really played to uh it being like reestablishing it as a city and like reminding people, hey, Pittsburgh is a wrestling town, just like Philly is, just like New York is, just like Chicago is. It's one of the towns, baby. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, getting to both those shows, Dynamite and Rampage, I think really told those that helped told that story. Okay, All right, Aaron. Aaron's from Pittsburgh. All right, us us too. Um, so that's cool. We'll it's, it's maybe a little early days this week. Wrestling City, uh, Dominic Stephen Chambers is saying, "Do you guys see Adam Cole appearing at All Out?" Nope. Uh, I think that there's going to be a contractual obligation. No, there won't be. I don't think if he decides to not sign. If he doesn't sign, isn't there still a non-compete clause? No, uh -uh. that expires. Really? So that, like, that's why Daniel Bryan, like, he his contract expired. He could have gone anywhere at that point. I thought when your contract ends, you have ninety days following your contract. Released. If you're released. If you, okay. uh, if your contract just expires, it expires. It's done. Honestly, it would be at this point. Adam Cole is like he's sort of on a sinking ship over there, and then there's this like there's like a party cruise like <laughs> like a hundred yards away. It's like I could fucking swim over there. Well, or right now, okay, so the sinking ship. Vince McMahon's the fucking uh, villain, uh, Billy Zane in Titanic. Okay, he's the <laughs> one that gets on the boat. Uh, now Adam Cole. He's, I think you're confused, Dominic. <laughs> he's on the third floor. You're saying that Vince McMahon is 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 taking a boat over to AEW? No, like Vince. So I'm saying the rescue. Like, okay, if WWE is a sinking ship, listen. Okay, here's my fucking analogy. Is Vince is more like the captain going down with the ship, Dom. No, no, he is not. So he's he's <laughs> getting it. So Vince, okay, from a perspective you are of fucking this all up. I'm not fucking this up. All right, if you let me just explain, paint this picture here, like Bob Ross then I will show you what's going on. All right. So, so Vince selling stock, uh, you know, releasing wrestlers, all this stuff. It's a sinking ship. Now Vince is not necessarily bailing on it, but listen, Vince is playing. He's, he's protecting himself. He's looking out for himself, just like Billy Zane did in the Titanic. Okay. So he's getting on a boat and that boat could still be WWE, but he's still riding away from, you know, uh, stuff like that. While Adam, now, if you stick around in WWE, the sinking ship, not that it's a sinking ship, but I mean, it's a huge conglomerate monster that's not going to sink it. Like, it's there. It's an established brand. But 
Adam Cole's one of the third floor on the third floor of the Titanic down in the level working like one of the workers, one of the guys making that ship run, baby, like tossing it all out. He's going down with the ship. He doesn't got a chance. Like if he stays there, like Vince views him as that, look, just just a worker down there. All right. You know, you can promise him the world. And he, how many times has he promised stars of the world, like Rey Mysterio, like, hey, you sign with us, we're going to put your son over all that stuff. Look at what they're doing to his, that Dominic Mysterio at this point. It's just like, boom. It's, he's just there, and it's just, they're not, like, promoting him, basically. So it's just, you know, making all these promises. And, hey, you know, guess what? You're going down the ship. I'm getting, I'm looking out for myself, though, Vince McMahon. I'm Billy Zane. How many, how many people just left this chat? I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I gave a very simple analogy about the sinking ship and there's a cruise boat you're trying to swim to. And you just, I mean, you just went off the rails. I think Vanessa got it. Okay, Dom, where are you going with this? Uh, Vanessa <laughs> says Dom doesn't even know where he's going, though. No. Um, all right, Dom, what else is there? Are we ready to wrap it up here? Uh, we got a we got a few uh, more things to talk oh, about. Oh, well, wow. By all means. By all means. Uh, let's see. Marcus, yes, uh, this is something we are excited for. Uh, Miro made a little pitch to our friend of the show, Eddie Kingston about facing him that's a that's an interesting uh feud going on huh yeah that would be that would be quite something uh obviously you know where i stand on that a friend of the show eddie kingston is is a friend of the show but i i don't think that anybody should be beating miro period um and i I don't care who it is like miro needs to remain undefeated to position him properly and like again that is so down the road if a daniel bryan is wraps up a feud with mjf or somebody else you know let's even say two or three years from now maybe not three years it's a long time but we could say two years from now uh miro has just held this belt this whole time he's come up against everybody beat everybody um and so then all of a sudden he's gonna get get in the ring with uh brian danielson or cm punk for that matter and you just make it mean more then I think you could really though, or it could be a good, could be a good way for Bray Wyatt to to make a debut. Yeah, yeah. I think though, like the way that you position Bray Wyatt, you don't need a title. You wouldn't need a title at the, at, right off the bat. Now, I think you could tell a very interesting story though with Eddie, um, if he did upset Miro, and like you. You, because Eddie's been the ultimate underdog when it comes to. I mean, you can make the argument for Darby too, but like from the his whole career perspective, Eddie's been the ultimate underdog when it comes to pro wrestling. So if you have him upset Miro, uh, you could not only enrage Miro further and then like continue that feud for a while where you make this a memorable feud, Miro and Eddie Kingston. Like you really tell a story around that, and then ultimately Miro wins the title back. And so uh, I think that that's another. I don't think you necessarily have to like, like have Miro continue this run. That's obviously an option, but like, and like probably is the what they're gonna go with. But I mean, I wouldn't be against Eddie actually like pulling up an upset and like getting that crowd really behind him as like, hey, Eddie, fucking, he did it. You know that Miro's been like unstoppable. But uh, I think you could tell something to that effect. I I see your point. I do, but disagree. I, okay. I really, I really think that Miro's got to remain undefeated for basically as long as we can all stomach it. Um, yeah, he's he is the Goldberg of of AEW, but in such a different way, he's not a ripoff of Goldberg. 
because um, he's just he's such a very very different character. But he he poses the same threat as Goldberg did, where it's just like yeah, this guy can't be stopped. He's ripping people apart week after week. Like yeah. he's just he's just an absolute fucking beast out there. And so they position him really well. I think that uh, having him get beat by anybody at this point, anybody within the next year, I think would would be akin to strangling the golden goose. Okay. No, I mean, obviously there's an argument for that. I just don't think it would necessarily halt momentum either with Miro if you had Eddie upset him and then you keep it, you keep the, the rolling. As long as you tell a story with it, I think there's, it's not a problem. You know, um, I think it just. No, and, and I agree. Long term feud. I mean, how about following the match, Eddie knocks him the fuck out with that back fist or whatever, you know? And yeah. Like it, just something to perpetuate a, a feud. But no, Miro's got to keep winning, man. Now, Marcus, I want to talk about this. We mentioned it way at the beginning with Punk. Um, so uh, we happened to see on there a fan crying, like when Punk came out, and got a lot of uh, people, Twitter being the negative space that it is, really went at this this uh, individual. And then you've seen a lot of it, too. Um, a lot of talent. Nyla Rose was one of them. Uh, being like, hey, like, it's great seeing that emotion. And it's like, you know, uh, and you kind of put in, if you really like, if you, I mean, obviously we don't know this person's backstory or anything like that, but heck, you don't know what this person's been through throughout the course of whether it's the pandemic or years on. And like, maybe this was his one soulless thing is like, you know, enjoying wrestling and like punk was his man. And like, here he's at, he's back in Chicago and there it is. Like, it could have meant, really meant a lot to somebody like that, you know? That's the thing, too, is, like, you know, a lot of – you got to remember, it's, like, a lot of us are just like, oh, well, it's pro wrestling, it's fun, it's this and that. But, like, if you're having a rough time, if you're going through something difficult in your life, and pro wrestling is, like, kind of your only means of solace, um, and, like, let's say that this guy loved CM Punk, really identified with him, loved seeing him week after week, kind of helped get him through the week, and then all of a sudden that's gone, and it's gone for seven years – yeah, and then and then it returns. Like, of course, the guy's gonna be in tears. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I I think it's a cool thing. Um, it's it's a good thing for pro wrestling too. You know, we need that kind of passion. Hey, Punk was on like Punk was on the verge of tears too. Like, so was I. Bet several fans, like several fans watching last night, like on TV. I bet you know, geez, but they got emotional. It was a, it was an emotional moment. It was cool. Like people get all kinds of charged up emotions when that shit happens, man. And uh. But I wanted to kind of lean into this. Marcus, is there a moment where you cried watching wrestling? No. Well, how about Brody? We, I think we both got kind of emotional. I know I got choked up with Brody. Uh, yes, when they played that Eagle song at the end of the Brody tribute episode, I didn't cry, but I, I got misty. Yeah. Uh, I think at the beginning of Brody is when I, I got emotional pretty darn good. Um. And I was covering the show that night too. Yeah, um, that that was a tough loss, man. You know, especially because, I mean, uh, you knew how I felt about Brody. Where it's like I, I thought he was incredible. I thought like I I thought as highly of him as I did of Miro. Where I'm just like this guy's awesome. I every time he comes out, he was your guy. Head. Like he was. Yeah, yeah, he was my favorite guy in AEW. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was I was re it was heartbreaking to hear that news. Um, heartbreaking, not just from a fan uh, perspective, but you know he's a family man left behind, wife and children. You know it's it's awful. Um, so yeah, that was 
that was a really hard one. Uh, but no, I, I can't really think of a moment where I've actually uh, choked up. Dominic, I know one where you did. Oh, yes. No, I was, that's on a more lighter note. Uh, yes, I happened to. Yes, I did cry watching wrestling. How old were you? Uh, I was 13, I think. Okay. 13. And uh, it was a trans, huge transitional moment for Marcus and I's wrestling fandom because uh, who were we fans of but the Outsiders? Scott Hall was my guy. Marcus, Kevin Nash. So we're we're Outsider fans. That was our team. And, you know, you know we that was the thing. So uh, Slammery 98 rolls around. 13-year-old Dom's watching the squiggly lines uh, on pay-per-view. And what do I hear? But Scott Hall turns on Kevin Nash. Turns on Kevin Nash. I balled. I balled. And I did. I knew, you know, I didn't know. I wasn't, a, you know, I didn't think wrestling was real or anything like that. But, geez, it got me. It's like, hey. Yeah, the the storyline hooked you. The storyline hooked me. I didn't want to see that happen. Scott and Kev are buddies. And then, there we go. We broke it up. I remember crying when Marcus was <laughs> in the shower too do you remember this you were in the shower and i said i'm sorry marcus and you're like i don't get what <laughs> you know, like, yeah. i was like 11 at the time i think and i was yeah. just like dude it's cool it's sorry. cool yeah <laughs> were we the outsiders ever marcus uh yeah i was yes well okay so <laughs> college uh 2009 marcus she, she might mean is like a costume dom yeah that's or... what i mean college of 2009 oh, okay nine I was Scott Hall. Our buddy Doug was Kevin Nash because he was like taller than me, and Marcus was Sting. And in every photo, I'd be like way out in the background, like like Sting in the rafters. It was great. If we can find that photo, Marcus, I'll share that with people. It's on Facebook. Is it okay? Yep. Man, yeah, that's a great picture. Yeah, well, shit. Aaron, um, Aaron said the CM Punk return gave him goosebumps. Me too. Uh, right, I got, yeah, I got right. chills, and I'm not a person that gets chills often. Um, I, I told, uh, I told Thunder Rosa when you and I talked to her that she, she is giving me chills. Uh, yeah. Like when, when her music comes on, uh, and I see her come out, I get excited the way that I used to when I was a little kid, and Kevin Nash would come out. Um, but I, I feel that way about Thunder Rosa. She's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, it's other than that, I don't really get goosebumps or chills, but yeah, CM Punk gave him, gave me chills. I, uh, I felt like a lot of happiness with Sting in the opening match. Like I thought Boy, Nesha, was- Nesha's drawing a hard line though. She's like, I don't give a fuck. I knew he was coming. Hey, Nesha, <laughs> weren't you the one that was like, you think he's coming? So you weren't, you weren't all there. A, a little excited. You admitted Nesha just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about this, Marcus. Paul White. Take it on QT Marshall. What'd you think of that setup? And then uh, obviously we talked about it last week where it's like, Hey, we could see that kind of happening. Uh, so, but what'd you think of the execution? At all? It's just, it's, it's just, a, it's a rush gimmick, you know, it's a rushed angle. Um, it's, I mean, does anybody think for one single solitary second that Paul Wade is going to lose? No, a, a match? Know, but does that matter? I, so here's the thing is like Paul Wade is not going to be a full-time returning talent. What I would be doing if I was in AEW is I'd say, okay, let's, let's give Paul white just a couple matches. Uh, and yeah, he goes over, he looks strong. Let him be QT Marshall. Let him like, let him do all this stuff. But then eventually or in, in short order, rather, since he's not going to be having like a ton of matches, put him against somebody like Miro and have Miro beat him. It's just too, I think that's, I think that kind of ruined that in a lot of ways. 
I, I don't know. It's it, it. It turns the dials more for me. Like it, him debuting against Miro. If you think about it, so Miro's red hot, and uh, so you have Paul White come out and debut against somebody like Miro. Um, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, who goes over N- now? This is a must-watch match. Like, okay, Miro's been unstoppable. Paul White, this is his debut. On paper, Paul White should go over, but who goes over? Marcus, I think it's too telegraphed, and I just don't think it really helps either one. Honestly. What's what's not telegraphed about him and QT Marshall? We all know the outcome already. The match, the match hasn't happened. And I think, Marcus, it's on a level where it's like, it's for Paul White. Like, it's for fans to cheer Paul White. Whereas, if you're bo- booking him against Miro, it's like, all right, there is that thing, but we know Miro's going to win it. So there's not really a payoff. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. No more than so. Look, the, the what was perfect about The Rock versus John Cena at WrestleMania the first time around was who goes over, right? You've got a star that is has been with WWE as an established star. Hold on, let me finish my thought. You've got a star that's been with WWE, has been grinding and working for WWE for years. You've got a guy who every who everybody knows is going back to Hollywood. So this match could be good for the same reason. You've got Paul White, who on paper should go over in the match. Because it's his debut with the company. He's a big star. They're paying him a lot of money. So on paper, Paul White should go over in this match. However, you've got Miro, who's like who's been this unstoppable force in AEW. So like as a fan, it makes you go, who goes over? Oh, so you're saying it from a debut standpoint. You're not saying from like you book him in the match now, like people are like I'm you- saying for Paul White's first match, like if he's not gonna be a consistent talent. Marcus, I think that's still too telegraphed. I know. I just disagree with that. I just don't think it would do anything. I don't. I don't think it's telegraphed at all. I think it's the opposite. I think QT Marshall versus him is telegraphed because, like I said, we all know the outcome. In a positive, but that doesn't matter. Like we knew. Like we all pretty much expected the outcome of Punk showing up, didn't we? Sure. So I don't think it's that's a bad thing. Let's say it's just like a a good moment. Where, hey, people, they signed Paul White. They want to get him in. Uh, there's been teases of him getting in the ring. Everybody's expected him to get in the ring. He's going to get in the ring, and he's going to have a match against UT Marshall, and he's going to win. I don't think that's an issue. How long is he going to wrestle? Uh, who Does it matter? Is, like, is it going to be a week-to-week thing? What does it do no, for anybody? No, it's not, because it's, he's a commentator. So you get him in there. That's what, you know, let's be realistic here. That's what they signed it. To, to be a commentator yep. and to wrestle here. Yep. So, so, so that's, and that's what they're doing. He so, should why, be put, so he should be putting younger talent over. And but he's in a position, Marcus, where um, Paul White is somebody that's lost consistently in WWE time and time again, where they haven't booked him. I think he really, I don't think he, he's in a spot where he should be losing. So you book him against somebody like a QT Marshall where he gets wins and like, you get that nostalgic feeling of, hey, Paul White wrestled, he knocked QT Marshall out, choke slammed him, whatever. And then, okay, he's back in the booth. He, he'll come up and stand up for somebody else like a Tony Schiavone or like uh, just name your, like Jake the Snake or somebody like that, you know? Somebody that's, you know, maybe getting, you know, rough a rough deal or something. But like now, I guess you could maybe play it off in a certain manner. I just don't, certain things because i'm thinking like okay and let's this is a perfectly lead brock anderson's taking on malachi black next week so if you had say like you had the hypothetical malachi black takes out brock and then uh is just relentless relentless with him. say 
Paul White doesn't have an angle with that. You have Paul White come out and save him, save. Now it would be an intriguing thing because Malachi Black's such a different style, I think, than Miro to take out Paul White. I think that would be kind of interesting. So, I mean, I guess you could make an argument for it, but ultimately I just don't think it's it really pays off to have Paul White put in a position like that. At this point. I like the Malachi Black idea even more than I like the Miro idea. Uh, it, it, it makes more sense. But, again, you get to that match. Okay, Malachi Black, new with the company. Paul White never wrestled for the company yet. A wrestling legend who goes over. It, that's what makes it intriguing. And that's the point I'm trying to make with this whole thing. I don't know. I don't know. I... I think it's I think it's a good way to start Paul White off. We all my point is that we all know that the business is a work, but sometimes you got to work the fans who think that they're smart and know what all the outcomes are. Because me personally, if if Paul White is making his, his wrestling debut in AEW and they're announcing it and it's like a big deal, let's say it's happening at all out, but his opponent is Miro, me as a wrestling fan, I'm like I have no I have no idea who goes over in this match. I don't know, which makes it a must-watch match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Rumar asks, what do you all think uh, Ric Flair's role will be when he comes to AEW? Your gut feeling. I would like to see him, uh, as Dominic said, as a babyface commissioner of sorts. But what's your gut feeling on how they're going to use him? I think it's going to be, he's going to get involved with uh, the the pinnacle, probably. Um, And they might bring uh, Brock and Arn Anderson into it too. And we're going to get kind of a uh, quasi-horseman type group. I could definitely see him getting confrontational with MJF. Um, but where would he fall in the landscape of things as somebody to put his chips behind on? That's who I'm thinking. Like what who would I position him behind? I see him I see him more as a baby face. I don't see him aligning with Pinnacle or anything like that. I cuz I mean Flair is Rick Flair. At this juncture, he's 71 or 72. Hard, hard to hate him. They're making hard him a hate deal. Flair. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he was on the train. He wasn't on the train, but <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he doesn't ride trains and he doesn't ride Kias, okay? Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I mean, it's just like, yeah, Flair is Flair, man. So it's like, and it do- wouldn't make sense for him to be with MJF because MJF is somebody that would get, you know, have animosity towards Flair. And Flair's at this juncture would be like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. All right. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing where it's just like, I know your game. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. I know your game. So. Well, that's why he would make a good commissioner. I think a yes. baby face commissioner. Yes. A baby face authority figure. That's like kind of different. So it's like not your Jack Tunney, obviously it's Ric Flair. So what is Ric Flair going to be doing when he's not there or commissioning? <laughs> he's going to be partying and <laughs> like he's going to be doing shit and like you can really play it up like hey or like rick flair's is sitting at a bar somewhere and he's like you know what i booked a match tonight this is going to happen and that's going to happen all right you're yeah. going against him you son of a bitch and you could have you could have party fun down too. longest ride longest you could have fun too he'd have like a tray of kamikazes or whatever yeah right <laughs> bring him over <laughs> welcome to dynamite i like it yeah that's how I would book Rick Flair. Now, gut feeling, I I think he'll be in a confrontation with MJF. That's how they're going to introduce him. That would be my, that's my gut feeling, but that's what I feel. About. Well, yeah, I, I think that that is a layup too. Um, probably going to wind up having a confrontation with uh, Daniel Bryan, or not Daniel Bryan, MJF. Um, I I don't know. I I was picturing like the whole four four horsemen thing. I, I feel like that's something that. Uh, 
Tony Khan is going to want um, in some capacity. I don't know. It's, yeah, I think there will be something to that effect. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work, though, because MJF is in the pinnacle with Tully Blanchard. With Tully Blanchard. And I think they're – and, like, Tully Blanchard's such a good heel. Like, you can't really – I don't know. I – okay, this is what you can do. Heck, you promote the shit out of Ric Flair coming to AEW, all right? You do this, all like, right. two weeks or whatever, but big hate. Ric Flair's going to be here, okay? That's what's going to happen. You ha- And, hey, we're going to have a four-worker. <laughs> and fucking J.J. Dillon's going to be there. Either. So, like, you promote the socks off of it. Arn's getting together. Tully's getting together, even though they're at, like cross, like it's gonna be a reunion. Ezekiel bring in Barry Windham. Barry Windham. Bring in Oli. Bring Oli. Get the whole crew together. Uh, Lex, bring Lex there. Uh, t- Roma, Paul Roma. Paul Roma. What do we bring? Sid. Sid now is not there. <laughs> probably, probably not. Not invited. So, but you have uh, <laughs> you got Tully and Arn kind of staring daggers at one another, but they're there. All right. Just out of a matter of being the force. Maybe maybe JJ's playing the peacemaker here, okay? But Flair's out there, they're celebrating. Boom. You have MJF come in and kind of fucking ruin the party, okay? Comes try to the make party. try to make himself the center of attention. Makes it about him. Flair cuts a promo. They go back and forth at it. Just all right. Tully just Flair gets the better of Tully. It's like things explode. Arn, Flair, it's all gets all riled up and mixed up. And you have Lines drawn in the sand, and allegiances are made, and there you go. That's how I think. All right. I think that's good, Dom. I think that would work. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Nicely done. Kevin yeah. Davis, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us. Yes. Uh, guys, thanks Thanks to all of you for joining us, Dom. We're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, if, you know, if that, that girl was still in here, what was her name? Tammy. If Tammy was in here, she'd be like, when is this shit going to end? These motherfuckers still talking. <laughs> SummerSlam's on, all right? It's going to be Cena and Reigns here soon. Um, all right, we're, we're almost done here. Uh, Marcus Dan Lambert cutting that promo, basement dwellers looking at weird, sh- creepy shit on dark web. How'd you feel about that promo? Underwhelmed, to be honest. Underwhelmed, uh, really? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, th- I think it's you know, they're they're trying to give uh, something to Lance Archer. He doesn't have a lot going on. So that's cool, you know, because I think he's a talented guy and got a great look and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just, I, I, it was, it was hard for me to care. It really was. Cause it's just like, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the good stuff, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that would be the equivalent of like a dungeon of doom, uh, segment on WCW when the NWO was going wild, where it's like, okay, when are we going to see, like, uh, 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 Hoob and Two Guerrero do his Air Hoovy? When am I going to see the NWO? When's DDP coming up? You know? So you think it's, uh, okay. I I liked it a lot. I, I popped pretty good over it. I thought he was just fantastic at, like, you know, almost. I like mean, he's, he's a good promo. Vane popping almost out of his head, just screaming, fucking, like, really leading into the fact of what, like, people criticize AEW fans for and stuff like that and that whole mentality it's just it was pretty damn good and um now was it a little rushed and stuff like that how it all was executed yeah i think a little bit because you know uh archer comes out and why did it why do scorpio sky and ethan page come out and attack him like that what's the you know you had junior dos santos and uh or whatever i can't remember the guy's name but the other big mma fighter 
you had them standing in the ring and uh you know it just that was kind of weird but um overall i, I kind of liked it and i wanted you know i think dan lambert's great so i i enjoyed it well again it's like these guys aren't doing anything it's like okay so uh dan lambert let's bring him in he's a good promo oh cool we can get the rub with these mma fighters that's sweet uh who can we position with him well who's not doing anything and it's like they just like throw them in so it's again it, it just makes it hard to uh to really care about it. you know it's last week you and i talked about sunny kiss uh breaking up with joey janela and i was like okay like i just haven't seen him in forever so it doesn't mean anything to me kind of the same vibe here where it's just like okay well it, it was it was a segment the guy's a good promo that's about it yeah it's um i think it was a neat aspect of it i enjoyed it but uh yeah where, where are they gonna go with it that's the question um oh steven says not liking the uh lambert and archer promo sky and page attacking archer not liking archer as a face he's better as a heel i agree i, agree. I, I like him as a face i think there's a lot of cachet to have a, a monster baby face because they have plenty of monster baby face uh heels they have plenty of monster heels so i like i think uh he would be a good uh aaron mentioned uh flair pairing up with uh hangman i think that would be kind of a cool aspect but i think you can have like i said uh archer almost be uh a good here for hangman here and there a guy in his wings or something yeah, I don't know. I, I I kind of agree with uh, Steven, but thing is, is that we, we did Archer as a heel, and there wasn't much there. We're doing him as a baby face. There's not much there. I, um, I just don't think it is. it's given the, been given the platform yet, really. Do I don't think so either, and I think he needs a stronger gimmick, because his gimmick right now is like he's he's angry all the time. He's kind of mean to Jake the Snake a little bit. You, got, you have Jake turn on him. You have Jake turn on him, and like, because Archer's proved that he can cut a promo now. Like he's good at cut promos, I think. And so, like, but you have Jake get somebody else, get another big heater against him, you know, and um, uh, have him align, and then have him be the mouthpiece and like really go after Archer. And I think that's a viable story you can tell. So, um, all right, yeah, we're just about done here. Uh, we do it. We did have um, Thunder Rosa, friend of the show, take on Penelope Ford. Um, I thought that was a fun match. Uh, just uh, I think it furthers story, uh, the story of Thunder Rosa, what we want to see and stuff like that, and um, positions. You know, it, it makes Penelope Ford more in the mix. Uh, you know, it's yeah, like focusing like more on the women's division with stuff like that. Uh, it'll be pretty neat to see. Like I, I want to see her be a, a focus. Penelope Ford. I'm saying Thunder Rosa, obviously the one we really want to go all the way to. Britt Baker's obviously there. You know, uh, women's champ and all that stuff. So. Um, but yeah, uh, and, any comments on that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, two two uh, women. One of of course, who's the best wrestler on the face of the planet, uh, Thunder Rosa, and then you've got the other one who I is honestly underrated. I think she's awesome. I love Penel Penelope Ford. I think she's really good. I think she has a lot of room to grow and get better and better. And her finisher is sweet. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. I love Thunder Rose's drop kicks, shotgun drop kicks in the corner. Unbelievable. Devastating. Oh, we told like, her. <laughs> yeah. I, I told her I, I wanted to see her do it to uh, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, who was it? Dave LaGreca? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I thought that was good. Um, and then any thoughts on Young Bucks and uh, Jurassic Express? 
Same thought I had during the uh, Jurassic Express tag team match uh, at Rampage. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it, it's basically everything I've been saying, where it's like it, uh, cool spots that are very clearly set up, um, and like I, I'm not even like not not executed smoothly enough to look like they're not set up. Um, yeah. And you've got Luchasaurus acting like he's a cruiserweight when he should be focusing. The most intriguing thing that I've see, I see cruiser or, uh, Luchasaurus do is grab somebody by the throat. Every time he does that, I'm like, all right, this is the guy. There's the guy that I want to see. This massive monster of a guy who's like who can manhandle somebody by just grabbing them by the throat. Like that's that's the version I want to see. Not this dude who does backflips just because it looks cool. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's it's frustrating. Every that's you know I, I trash Luchasaurus a lot, but the thing is is that it's it's not because I hate him. It's because I see what he could be, and I wish he was that guy. Yeah, I think there's they got to get there with him. You know, I think that'd be pretty neat. And that's another thing too. You turn somebody like a Luchasaurus. There's a good like guy to go up against the babyface archer i think i i don't know if he's ever gonna do the right thing though um and i'm not saying that like the, the, it's hard to word it but essentially like i don't I, if if he becomes a heel and he becomes like this monster this scary monster heel like i want him to become uh he's still gonna want to do this stuff because he can because he knows he can do it so it, it, it's gonna take a road agent saying like hey man like you have to stop doing flips for just just for the sake of doing flips. Like just just focus on being this big, brooding, scary heel. I don't think that's far off to to fathom, though. You got, I mean, you have smart guys like Mark Henry and the Big Show back, or Paul White back there, and then you look at what Jericho did with Sammy Guevara, where like Sammy would wear the panda head coming out, and Jericho was like, "Don't wear that." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think it's uh I don't think it's far off to kind of think, you know. Um, I think it's a possibility. Uh, more. What else we got here? Uh, I I like. Uh, hey, Pac and uh, Andrade. I'm pumped for that. I think that's gonna be quite the fucking match. It all out. Holy Must God. watch. Yes. Um, I really like Pac on the mic too. By the way, I think he's. Oh, great. he's great. He's um, great. Great intensity. Mm-hmm. Great intensity. Really, really brings it. Um, and let's see. Marcus, you know what we didn't do last week was our MVPs or your Meltzer rating. Yeah. Uh, How are we going to do this now, considering there's two shows? I think it's just MVP of both, you know, who is who the standout of the week. Okay. And, uh, yeah, as far as Meltzer rating, I don't know. Should I just do, like, a week Meltzer rating? Like, how did the week go? I think do it for each. Do one for each, uh, what you thought of Dynamite and then what you thought of uh, Rampage. Okay. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, sure. I, oh, real quick, any thoughts on Mox and uh, Daniel Garcia? Uh, yeah, I thought the finish was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mox stayed in the ring, which is something I've always yeah, talked you, about. Yeah, you talked about Yeah, you texted that. He was like, yeah, hey, Mox stayed in the ring. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I thought it was incredible that Mox actually managed to do a match and not go outside the ring and brawl. He just had a match. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was good and a great finish. You know, this kid leaned back. And I'm like, how's Mox getting out of this one? And then he just, like, very abruptly hooks him, and the match is over. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty damn neat. Uh, yeah. Mox has been great on doing the promos, too, both on Dynamite he had, and then on, on Rampage, too. He did a really good job. Absolutely. So, and kind of leaned in, like, hey, I'm going to – he, like, even trashed Hangman, and he trashed Christian, too. 
I thought that was kind of a neat too, and I'm kind of pushing in that regard. I wonder if that's a tease for a long-term tease for a heel turn, maybe. Could be. I don't know. Uh, are we doing MVPs? Yeah, we're doing MVPs. Uh, we didn't mention this, though, real quick. Statlander versus Baker, and Statlander's going up against Jamie Hayter next week. Um, you like how that's all being positioned? For, and do you think nope. you don't? Nope. Hang oh. on. Giant spider I got to kill. Oh, no, not a spider. Marcus, is a daddy long leg? You should leave us in the house because they tend to uh, kill other bugs. Uh-oh. He's doing it. He's murdering spiders, guys. What do you feel about that? Would you murder a spider in your house or do you let him go? Pretty sure that was a wolf spider. A wolf one. Yes, I don't I don't need that in my house. What do they do? What do wolf spiders do? I think they're the ones that bite you and they give you that necrosis where it actually uh, starts to rot your skin around where they That's bit you. That's not brown recluse. Uh, well, look up wolf spiders. I think they do something similar. I don't know about that. It may, is that how werewolves begin? I would like to think so. Uh, anyway, Statlander, and uh, uh, I, I don't like it because uh, I like Jamie Hayter a lot, um, and she's just coming back, and Statlander has to go over here. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I'm not crazy about it. What Unless then, finish? That's fine. I was just going to say if it ends in a DQ – um, cause it looks like, uh, Statlander is getting the advantage and, and Britt Baker comes out and does her thing, then fine. But if it's a clean one for Statlander, they're not doing the right thing. Yeah. And that's the thing though, too. Like, even if she wins, like you, you want Britt to retain ultimately. So even if they screw Statlander out of a finish, that won't seem right. Cause she loses twice. Right. So yeah, now that you mentioned that, like I like the intrigue of Hater versus Statlander. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, you're kind of putting yourself in a hard position there with both of those, you know. Yeah, that's so. I'm not. I'm not crazy about that. Yep. Oh, Becky is back. Wow. I saw that. Yes. About that. Man. All right. Well, they they think it's going to help them compete. We'll see that. I mean, they needed it. They needed something to charge it up. But uh, again, band aid, band aid on a fucking dam. All right. Yep. That's it. Um, all right. Uh, MVP for the week. Who's yours? No, no other choice. CM Junk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the only it's the only route. It really is, especially if we're doing it for the week. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's there's that's a layup. CM it's Punk. Such a layup. All day. Marcus, it's it was a, such a great moment in wrestling. Uh, really. You're, we're gonna look back on this, and I I don't know how we if we didn't even focus too much on it, but we're gonna look back on it. It's gonna be like, damn, what a moment in wrestling that was, you know? No question about it. This is one of those things that I mean, that, that's a wrestling moment. I'm I will always remember mm-hmm. uh, because it was like it gave me chills. It was it was incredible. The the crowd reaction, the sound, the amount of noise that that crowd was making, just insane, dude. A lot of cool moments there, and like just the authenticity to it all too something yep you know and even you look back like you didn't hear probably any of the scrum or the media call that him and tony khan did together but like punk talked about like you know was pretty open about stuff for the most part and like talked about like you know hey him and tony have been talking a while he's an AEW guy he's not against necessarily either working at new japan or working impact but right now he's AEW. he wants to be in the AEW pool kind of thing. and like just um he's happy to be back and like Punk even said during that promo that it wasn't he never soured on pro wrestling, but it, like on loving pro wrestling, but it was, you know, being in WWE basically like and like just having that, you know, where he was what you mentioned with that line where he's like, it wasn't a healthy being in a healthy environment. 
Right. So, um, it's just neat to see somebody happy, somebody that wants to, he said too, he wants to help people. Like he wants to be like that, like help people like Terry Funk to help him and, and Dusty and, and Harley Race and, and let us listen to all those names and stuff like that. So it's just neat to see like somebody that's excited and motivated punk cause punk, you know, that's how we all felt that like, well, he just doesn't, he might not be into it anymore. Like it just might not be his, like he might just be so scorned by it and everything like that. But it's like, but no, he's ready to roll, man. And it's good to see. So. And fun, fun time to be a fan. Uh, Steve wants to know if we think within a year, they'll be able to fill a stadium. Yes. You think so. That's it depends on what route they take and how well they they execute but yeah I don't see why not and like here's the thing is like if you if you build uh CM Punk and uh Brian Danielson no if you build if you build the the feud between CM Punk and Kenny Omega well enough and long enough um I think you could fill a stadium with it it's gonna take some time I feel uh a year Possibly. We'll see how things go. Uh, you know, Melter said they couldn't fill 10,000 or what it was at all out or all in. And look, they did it. So, I mean, but like, hey, you know, a year from now, we don't, where is wrestling going to be at a year from now? Like the whole landscape could be extremely different. Uh, like, and this could be the sign of it, the start of things to come. I don't know. Like, that's what makes it exciting right now. It's such a fun fucking time to cover this stuff. No doubt. Yeah. Hang okay. on. I got to stop my cat. Uh-oh. Up to no good. Mon Bear doing it. Was he doing a Bam Bam Bigelow cartwheel? We'll figure out. Becky challenge Bianca. I wonder if CM Punk's ice cream. No, Jorge, I think that was a Chicago-based ice cream shop. That he that they kind of worked a, a deal out with, um, but heck, I would not be shocked if we do see something like a ice cream bar that uh, you know gets sold at some point or another. Maybe punk ice cream. Damn, I want some ice cream. God dang, I love ice cream. <laughs> All right, we gotta wrap this thing up, dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, ice cream. Your Marcus Belter rating for uh, for dynamite. For dynamite, I'm giving it a uh, a solid. Uh, 6.9. 6.9, okay. Yep. Good program, good program. Yeah. Um, as for uh, Rampage, I mean, I, I can't I can't go lower than an 8.6. Yeah, so it is, you're going to 8.6 then? Yeah, and it's basically all punk, you know. Like, it was, it was a good event. Jade Cargill looked good. Um, tag match was, it was there. <laughs> um, main event was, was cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Punk, Punk nailed it, man. Well executed show, and it was the right thing to put him on right at the opener too. Yep. So, yeah, man, it's a fun week. Gonna be even more fun coming up uh, with all out in the mix, and hell, CM Punk's back, baby. That's it, Marcus. I'll start with my plugs. You can follow me on Twitter right below. You see it there at Dominic D'Angelo. You can follow WrestleZone on Twitter at WrestleZone. Sorry, my my cat's being a nut. Yeah, uh, Dusty's kind of chilling out behind me here. He's doing all right. But um, as far as I never, we never plug this, and I we really got to start. check out if you're if you're into WWE, if you're watching SummerSlam right now. Becky Lynch is back, but like check out uh, the post show that Colin Tessier and uh, Robert D. Felice, the mercenary of pro wrestling. Uh, writing uh, as they recap 
SmackDown on Smack every uh, Saturday morning. They they do it. Uh, you can join in live like you do here. Um, also, uh, we they John Clark and Colin Tessier do uh, the NXT recap too every Tuesday evening after the show. And then there we have one with Raw too that uh, John Clark and Colin Tessier participate in. So check those out. Um, interview wise, hey, speaking of. Our managing editor, Bill Pritchard, actually interviewed CM Punk. Talked about him being on heels. Uh, st- the new star show with uh, St- Stephen Amell and uh, James Harrison, Pittsburgh's uh, linebacker, crazy linebacker. Um, all that stuff. So check I that out. I didn't know James Harrison was in it. That's crazy. Yeah, he is in it. He's like, he plays a wrestler in it. So That's great. Uh-huh. How about that? And um, there's another interview that we got. Check out, though, on our feed there. Uh yeah, we got some interviews going. Oh, uh, Nesha, we're your favorite show. Thank oh, you. Oh, thanks. Appreciate Aww, that. That's nice. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, appreciate all you guys joining us this week. Yeah. You can follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter. Um, you can follow this podcast at two, the number two, Dynamite Dudes. Um, yep. And um, is that it? We got anything else? I think that's it, brother. Um, yeah, just a fun time to be a part of this. And uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Always good to get the your feedback and input in and your thoughts. You guys propose some interesting questions and stuff, so always appreciated. And uh, yeah, what a what a fun freaking time to cover wrestling, huh? Good. Stuff. No question about it. I uh, couldn't be more thrilled to be uh, watching it. Couldn't be more thrilled to be discussing it with people. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. See you guys next week. It's gonna be fun. It's by Rumar, by Nesha, Benjamin, uh, Aaron, all of you guys, Stephen. Yep. Yeah, appreciate you guys joining us. Rumar and we'll, Jorge. We'll catch, we'll catch yep. you next week. We appreciate it. All right, guys. See you next week. CM Punk's back. All right. <laughs> all right, bye-bye. Everybody says you're so mad.